never been out of New England at the time, so it was mm-hmm. this was my first experience. This is my first like day out of New yeah. England, and everybody's really beautiful, and everybody's like, w- you know, wearing clothes that cost more than my house and everything. And then going into the show, man, I don't, I don't even know where to start, but I was so impressed. I mean, Bruce was old, even at this time, even yeah. ten years ago, he was, you know, uh, early sixties, and was just doing flips and like all these dance moves that I, I couldn't do. And he whipped a guitar solo out that just made my eyes bleed. And all that energy, that energy, Jake Clemens' first solo was um, just shot us all to the moon. People were having a religious experience around me. And I didn't know that kind of fandom existed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, but mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me tonight as we are still in the midst of our great national stay-at-home, let's-flatten-the-curve system, um, is a new friend named Phoenix Crockett. Phoenix, welcome to the show. Hello, good to see y'all. Yeah, um, so tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Give us your elevator pitch, so to speak. Sure. So my name is Phoenix. Um, I work at the Vermont Center for Children, Youth, and Families in Burlington, Vermont. I live in South Burlington with my wife and cats. Um, yeah, I'm a lifelong uh, music fan and Bruce Springsteen fan. Although when I say lifelong, that doesn't really mean anything because I'm 24. Um, yeah. 24 does not, you are not the youngest um, fan I've had on the uh, show. So, um, but I probably am going to find out how you, uh, as we talk, I'll be curious to know how you found the boss. Um, since often people in your generation haven't know him just vaguely, but I always like to start Phoenix with where it began. So talk to me. You uh, Did you grow up in uh, Burlington, Vermont? I grew up in northern Maine. Okay. Um, so I grew up somewhere uh, where it was pretty much impossible to see live music. Because, <laughs> I mean, it was a six to 12 hour drive to the closest music venues. Um, people think that uh, they think of Maine, they think of Portland and Bar Harbor and stuff, but I was a long ways away from that. Um, and was go ahead, sir. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to yeah. ask you what kind of music were your parents musical? Did they listen to a lot of music there at the house as you grew up? So my parents are young. Um, my you know my mom is in her mid 40s, and she was really into like 90s pop. She's really into Prince. Um, yeah. My dad listened to classic rock, dad rock same stuff that I think everybody's dad listened to. Um, And he like knew of uh, Bruce, but he was more into like Soundgarden, you know? Mm -hmm. Sure. Absolutely. Um, So the way it started for me was I was 
in ninth grade, and I was going into tenth grade. And I was at summer camp for orchestra nerds. Okay. What um, music? What what instrument did you play? Or do I was play? playing the cello, and okay. I still play the cello. Okay. And I met a girl named Rosamond uh, there. Um, Rosie, she was also a cello player, and we became really close friends, really fast friends. And we kept up email correspondence, and we we were uh, close. And mm-hmm. she's from California. So she lives in Los Angeles. Her dad was either the writer or director, I think, of Blue Bloods. Like, I forget what the thing is. But okay. anyways, they're a very Los Angeles family. They're very connected and all that. And she asked me to go to prom with her. And I said, absolutely. I'll come, I'll come out to Los Angeles with you. I'll go to prom with you. And she said, okay, the night before, my parents have tickets to see Bruce Springsteen at the Coliseum. Okay. Um, and I said, I don't know who that is. So I opened up Spotify, which existed when I was in 10th grade, um, and set up some playlists and just instantly fell in love with the music, was super into a lot of the themes of like working class America, which I considered myself a part of. I identified with young Bruce. Um, I found a record on the extensive record shelf in my basement. I found Asbury Park, New Jersey and wore it out um, all before the show, which it was uh, um, either the second or third show of the Wrecking Ball tour. And I was just, go ahead. So just, I just for logistics, how much notice did you have that you were going to take her to the prom? I had about three months notice. Okay, so there you there there was time for like, and she told you, oh, and by the way, we have Springsteen tickets. So you had a little bit of time to like, okay, let me try to find out who this guy is. Yeah, and I delved in deep pretty fast. Okay, what? Can you can you say why Phoenix his music spoke to you? Yeah, I think I think I can. So when I listen to music, um, I'm a very I'm a very lyrically driven listener. Okay. That's why some of my favorite bands are like you know Bruce as well as like the Mountain Goats and pe- people who are are poets and bards. Um, mm-hmm. And reading those lyrics and listening to them just pulled me right in. I, again, I identify with uh, some of the stuff he talks about the working class and talking about wars and um, the modern American experience. And also just the, you know, the E street band, like those musicians, I, I liked to think at the time that I knew music and that was music. Um, yeah. I was a big Clarence Clemens fan uh, immediately and, dove into a whole separate fandom there yeah. um, did not get to see Clarence Clemens play. It was actually the, this concert was the memoriam mm-hmm. um, for him and Jake played uh, at the show. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's hard to say what it, what it is, uh, the musicianship and uh, um, the purity of it. Those first couple albums are just so intense and so full of like an angst that as a teenager, I was feeling, you know? All right. So, um, we're um, we're not going to tell Rosie, in case she's listening. Rosie, <laughs> skip ahead for a few, uh, uh, you know, a few seconds. Um, after getting involved with Bruce's music, were you more excited about the prom and seeing your good friend, or getting to see Bruce perform live the first time? <laughs> oh man, uh, I'm not much of a dancer. 
Yeah. Um, so I think I was more, I think I was more excited for the show and the show was, I mean, the show was amazing. So um, prom was really fun and it was, and I, I, I love Rosie to death and we had a good time, but I, I remember more about the show. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, gosh, what a great story to talk about your first show to kind of wrapped into, you know, this long distance friendship um, you guys were close enough that she wanted to share it with you. Um, that's that's very cool. Um, do do you do you remember any? You said you remember more about the show than you do prom. Once again, don't listen to this, Rosie. He it was a magical <laughs> night, and he'll always remember it. But um, do you have a couple of specific things about the show that you know that were memorable to you absolutely yeah okay. there's there's so many things um so we get there and because her parents are vips we you know get to go in the backstage area and have drinks with some of the roadies and stuff um that was cool i'd never you know sure i'd never been important at a show before yeah. um i had the special system of stickers and everything and um also i was from a very strict household like a you know i i love my parents to death they're really good parents but they were strict and christian and they yeah. they had standards so i yeah. never like drank alcohol or like yeah. smoked weed before yeah. all those things were going on in this room you know and you're you know you're a small town boy from yeah. uh, you know maine and uh all of a sudden you're in the big city uh with those quote-unquote hollywood folks um, I guess that would be strange. Yeah, I'd never been out of New England at the time, so it was, mm-hmm. this was my first experience. This was my first, like, day out of New yeah. England. And everybody's really beautiful, and everybody's, like, you know, wearing clothes that cost more than my house and everything. Yeah. And then going into the show, um, man, I don't, I don't even know where to start, but I was so impressed. I mean, Bruce was old, even at this time, even yeah. 10 years ago. He was, you know, uh, early 60s right? and was just doing flips and like all these dance moves that I, I couldn't do. And he ripped a guitar solo out that just made my eyes bleed. Um, and all that energy, that energy, Jake Clemens' first solo was um, just shot us all to the moon. People were having a religious experience around me. And I didn't know that kind of fandom existed. Well, yeah. Go ahead. ahead. No, you you finish. I was going to say, the concerts I'd been to had been like Dave Matthews Band and Matchbox 20, and people aren't aren't having a religious experience at those shows, you know? You know, what I also remember during that time, um, so it, it sounds like based on what you said, you had, um, Clarence had already passed, obviously, but you had really been impressed by him. So, and, and during the early part of the Wrecking Ball tour was when Bruce was doing the, during City of Ruins, you know, um, are, are we missing anybody? His spiel, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I just, I don't know if that, I know the first time I heard it, and it was when uh, E Street Radio was broadcasting the Apollo Theater show. 
you know, it was a big deal, right? We're going to be live from the Apollo. And when he started playing that, and I'm listening to it on my computer screen, I just started crying. So I, I just, I don't know if you remember, did that affect you among other things? Yeah, it, yeah. It was interesting to see people care so much just because, again, I didn't even know what fandom was at the time. I'd never been in one. Yeah. Um, and people people did cry. Yeah. The guy behind me, um, there were two guys standing behind me. One of them was a, a, a younger blonde guy, um, and the other was Tommy Chong. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, both of them were crying. <laughs> and... I remember the the one blonde guy who was in tears kept trying to light his joint, but he was crying on it and he couldn't get it lit because he'd gotten it wet. Oh, that's um, funny. And that was, yeah, that was funny. Um, were Rosie's parents big fans? Oh, yeah. And friends. Okay. Uh, I okay. think that they were f- friends of Bruce and his manager and the, and the crew. Okay. okay, good. Very nice. Um, so, um, anything else of this first concert that stood out that were memorable to you? I remember this one moment. Uh, there's this like there's this this ten second clip of uh, the guy behind me passes me the joint and I, I take the big rip because I didn't know mm-hmm. uh, what you're supposed to do. I hand it back to him and Rosie turns to me and I kiss her. And I turn back, and Bruce is ripping into this guitar solo, and I'm like, "This is the height of life! Like this is." <laughs> it was like the to to that point, it was like one of the best moments mm-hmm. uh, I like ever had, and I was just connecting all of this music that I knew, and he played some like deep cuts and some like old stuff, and yeah, it was that's that one moment really sticks out. Did um. So I always like to preface this, Phoenix, with uh, I don't believe the amount of times you've seen Bruce perform live is a fair barometer of how big of a fan you are, right? Because depending on your age, where you live, economic situation, there's just a lot of variables. But for the record, how many times have you seen him perform live? Two. Okay. Um, And that that comprises every show that I'd seen live up until I was about 21. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's purely a, um, a geographic thing. You know, he doesn't play the bell center very often, which would be my home. Like that's my home area in Montreal, sure. like two hours away from here. Um, he would never consider playing, you know, higher ground or anything. I think our biggest venue holds maybe 500 people. Um, I could go to the TV Garden in Boston, but even the cheapest tickets there for a Bruce show are, you know, $1,200, $1,800, things like that. Um, so I've been waiting. I've been biding my time. And then I was like, you know what? This is my year. 2020 is the year I'm going to see everybody I want to see in concert. I'm going to see Bruce. I'm going to see the Mountain Goats. My wife's super into a certain artists that we were going to see. And then this whole thing happened. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think a lot of us had hoped that, um, you know, we were going to get a East Street tour. And then this crazy thing happened. Um, you know, I, I 
working with the medical center, um, how have you been affected by this? Well, it has been it's been pretty crazy. My um, my wife is a nurse, um, so that's obviously that's very hard. Luckily, my job is a job that can be done via Skype and via Zoom from home. I can do my checkups, and my appointments with people. Um, she can't, and she's been you know she was right on the front lines immediately, and now she's doing phone work, which we're lucky for, but. All yeah. of my friends are, you know, doctors and nurses, and it's just been, it's been pretty scary and pretty stressful. Everyone's kind of on edge all of the time, and we're um, taking solace in things like music and podcasts. And absolutely, yeah. that's good. Well, um, we appreciate all the work you guys are doing. Um, as you've as you've kind of grown in your fandom, you know, um, did talk to me a little bit about, you know, some of your, um, like when you went and saw him the second time, where was the show at? That was in Boston at the TV garden. Okay. okay. And any stories from that show? That show was interesting. I went alone. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to go with a friend. And the friend got too intoxicated um, because, I don't know, he was stupid and 20 at the time. And I was way, way, way back in the nosebleeds. And I was just kind of like over the whole weekend and just like not feeling good. And like I was really, really stone cold sober, which Mm -hmm. is is like not ideal. Um, And then the first note hits and I was totally engrossed. Uh, I remember... um, that was the weirdest show ever. God, I wish I could come up with a date so you could look up the set. Mm-hmm. Um, but he opened with Mary Queen of Arkansas. Okay. Um, and kind of acoustic on like an, um, like an ovation guitar-ish kind of thing. Um, and I was just so immediately wrapped and like in tears from the first like 10 seconds and had a great night. Stayed through the very last encore and danced with some random people. A shout out to George. I never saw you again, George, but thank you for dancing. Okay. Um, did um, when you went in Los Angeles, uh, did you guys end up going backstage? Did you end up meeting anyone from the band? I we went backstage. We met like some managers and roadies. Um, I saw and said hello to Tom Morello. Okay. And he looked at me like I had three eyes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so he's, he was in the band at the time. Um, I saw and said hello to Stevie Van Zant, and he gave me a wave. That's good. Um, and then I saw Jake Clemens, and he stopped and talked to the people I was with and, like, my entourage for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, that's really good. Um, that, that's, that's, that's really nice. Um, and then you got to go, and then you got to go to prom. Yeah. Prom was the next day. It was on Hollywood Boulevard. We went in like this party bus and left in a limo. I had never, you know, I was a a Northern Maine working class boy. Um, and the richest people that I knew in my whole life that I'd ever met were like dentists 
who lived in modest homes. So yeah. being on the boulevard and visiting friends who lived in mansions made of marble and stuff was a really interesting experience. So that's also tied to it is that I was, you know, I was going to enjoy music about the American um, middle and lower classes um, while being immersed in my very first experience with um, upper class lifestyles, you know. Yeah, that is kind of a, a nice, you know, just a position. Um, yeah. are, are you and Rosie still friends? We are, yeah. As anyone, That's, you know, drifts apart over time yeah, sure. when you don't, we've never lived in the same city, but we definitely still chat and we still talk about uh, that time when we were um, when we were in high school. Very cool. That's 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 awesome. Good. Um, so, um, as you're studying music and and you know growing up, learning more about Bruce, talk to me about a couple of albums or songs that have meant a lot to you. Absolutely. So, I always talk about how I'm an annoying hipster um, because okay. the first album that any band puts out is always my favorite. I wish it weren't the case. Okay. Um, but Asbury Park, New Jersey is, I think, probably my favorite album of all time. Okay. Um, of any of any musician of anywhere. And I, I, think, I, I think the poetry of it really hit me. I think it was my first experience with... Um, literally any music like from the seventies. Like that was the first time anyone had told me like, this is here's music from this era. And I, I learned a lot about just history and like, you know, Vietnam and all of that. Um, and then, so I, you know, I always talk about that album. I always spend too much time talking about that album, but let's talk about the river. Okay. Because I found the river in a, um, like a 50 cent bin as a vinyl okay. when I was 21 and in a really bad place. I, I just wasn't doing hot um, okay. and I needed it. I needed some new music. I needed something to drown out like the constant noise in my, in, in my brain. Um, and that was, that was what I got. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it was dark and it was, honest and um i'm trying to think of like which song specifically really hit me mm-hmm. um the ties that bind really kind of blew my mind at the time i hadn't heard anything like that i hadn't heard anything honest and vulnerable um like that juxtaposed with things like crush on you and i want to marry you which were you know more almost rockabilly like optimistic um, pieces, uh, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, you know, he talked about that in, um, you know, in 2016, right, when he's talking about when they're doing, they released the box set and um, how he wanted this album to feel like an E Street Band show. So it had all the, you know, ups and downs and things doing. So um, I can imagine that it, it, let me put this another way, right? The, the way that sometimes Bruce's music, and not just Bruce, other musicians, 
they find us when we need them to find us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. He, that that's definitely what happened in this case. Um, and it's a it's a beautiful thing because you almost feel at that point like you have a relationship um, with the artist, you know. Yeah. Um, the like, Devils and Dust is an album that has a special place in my heart because I did not see Bruce until 2002. That was my first show. Um, it was here in Dallas. It was the Rising Tour. I had listened to the Rising but had not, you know, studied it and lived it and loved it. And, um, and so when I went to my first show, it felt like I'd walked into the middle of a movie and I didn't really understand everything that was going on. I could tell it was a really good movie, and I wanted to know more about it, but, you know, I wanted that. So retroactively, you know, I'm listening to The Rise, and um, a friend of mine got a really, really bad um, bootleg of the concert so I could hear it again. Um, <laughs> you know, so... Uh, when Devils and Dust came out, I just played it over and over again, over and over again. That was the only CD that was on my CD player for a while. And so when he came to uh, Dallas for that tour and I got to go watch it, um, it was the first, okay, I'm prepared for class, right? Like, okay, I've done my homework. I'm ready. Go ahead, professor. Ask me some questions. And he still played songs I didn't know. But because um, I had not gone through all the way through the category, you know, his catalog, but it was stuff. So I get that. I get that the river always is going to have that special place to you. Right. Yeah, for sure. For mm -hmm. sure. And then there's albums that I've only recently discovered just because like how much music is there up there? I've had Spotify since I was in seventh grade. It's hard, yeah. hard to listen to all the music I could listen to. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, I've only listened to Nebraska for the third and fourth times recently. Yeah. Like, I obviously gave it a listen and, um, early in life and then mm -hmm. put it on the shelf again and uh, was just blown away. Yeah. Especially, you know, needing more music to listen to during the COVID-19 pandemic and stuff. Yeah. That's another example, I think, of I was just, yeah, it, it'll find you when you, when you need yeah. to hear it. And now Nebraska is taking over as, like, one of my favorite um, albums, too. Absolutely. What did you think of Western Stars when it came out? I I liked it. Um, I, I, so it wasn't at all what I expected or what I thought it was going yeah. to be. Because after Wrecking Ball, I thought, okay, it's all just going to be song, music like Wrecking Ball from now on. And High Hopes confirmed it. It's just going to be yeah. music like Wrecking Ball. Like, that's what we're going to be. We're going to talk about politics. We're going to say it really loud, it's going to get kind of punkier, that's going to be fine. Um, the critics liked it, I think, for the same reason that I did, which was that it's like the first time you watch The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and you kind of realize all the glamour of, like, the American West. Um, and I'd heard so much Bruce stuff about, you know, your east, your coast, like, mm -hmm. um, down, on, down on their luck, blue-collar people. And to have this, you know, flying, fleeting Western paradise of an album was, um, it was just different. It was new, and I, I liked it. Yeah, what did you uh, think of it? 
No, I, I loved it. Um, now, I'm coming at it from a perspective, you know, my my parents are were older. My mom's still with us. My dad's gone. Um, so, you know, I was born in 59. So, uh, grew up, my teenage years were in the 70s. So, but the first 10, 12 years of my life were in the 60s. And we listened to parody the Blues Brothers. We listened to both kinds of music, country and Western. Um, <laughs> though that's a slight exaggeration. My mom loved Bobby Darren and Fast Domino. And, um, so she, she had a love for, um, some early rock and roll, but mostly country music, you know, a lot of Johnny Cash, a lot of Hank Williams, um, yeah. Merle Haggard and that kind of music and Glenn Campbell. So, um, and I had recently had f- kind of discovered Glenn Campbell had an, the second to last album he did before he died was Meet Glenn Campbell. And it was covering him covering a lot of rock songs um, in that Southern California style. Um, yeah, and I remember that. Yeah, it was. I mean, a I wasn't real, there for it, but I've heard the album. Yeah, yeah, it's a really neat, you know, um, neat way he covered it. And so this really appealed to me. And, uh, you know, I, I and so I loved it. I loved the the songs. And um, one of my favorite TV shows is Justified, which is based yeah. on the novels of Elmore Leonard. And um, and and it felt like this could be a collection of short stories that Elmore Leonard or Louis Lamar or Zane Gray had written, you know, where it, this this set of the same way that Nebraska was a set of short stories set in the Midwest, you know, mm-hmm. these are short stories that were set in the West. And um, and I loved all those stories. So, yeah, I was a big fan of it, um, loved it even before the movie. And then once the movie happened, oh, my goodness. Right. I, you know, to see him perform it live and to talk about all the stories beforehand, you know, between was just amazing. Something really special. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. Uh, I would have liked to I would have liked to see that uh, live. I, I, I thought about it, but I hear it was great. Yeah, I um you know, I um I really um love seeing that and you know, have you I'm sure you've watched the Netflix Broadway special, correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I'm a Broadway boy as it is. I'm a I'm a theater geek from the top, so mm-hmm. I was so excited. Yeah. I can imagine. I really can. Um so um any, I always like to ask. So, if when he tours again, and you're going to get a chance to go see him once or twice with your lovely bride, are there songs you would haven't heard him do live that are on your wish list? Things that you would really like to hear him sing? Hmm. Good question. The first set list I ever heard was so good. It was. Yeah, I was I was absolutely blown away. Um, I would love to hear "Reason to Believe." Oh yeah, and that's um, nice. Yeah, I think that would be, I think that would be cool to hear live. Um, 
I'm trying to think of what else. I ha- I haven't heard the river live, so that would be cool. He doesn't really do that one that often. Um, mm-hmm. Any anything that really features the E Street Band in a big way. I remember um, I was sent a Snapchat of a friend at a show once, and they heard um, the E Street Band did all along the Watchtower. Oh, nice. Um, so cool rare covers like that are also always really yeah. fun and one of my favorite things about concerts. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Very nice. Um, all right, so any other stories you want to share about how Bruce has either been there for your family or influenced your, uh, you know, your your personal or work life? I have a silly, cute, short story. Please, um, we so love I, stories. <laughs> so I came off of that um, that trip, obviously still glowing and bragging to all my friends that I had been to Los Angeles and I was special sure. now. And uh, I was in uh, my history class and uh, Mr. Tweedy said, hey, everybody, we're going to be writing um, history papers. There's not a lot of, uh, I'm not going to hold you down, write about anything you want. And I did a piece about, um, basically, it was a, a biography of Bruce Springsteen with a heavy emphasis on relationship to the Vietnam War. Okay. And uh, I've written a lot of papers since, and I've been very academic, and I was, um, I, I spend a lot of time on my college work, and I'll be damned if I've ever written a paper that good. That was easily my highest work academically I will ever achieve. I did such a good job, and I can't find it. I can't oh, no. find that paper anywhere. But if I could, I would absolutely send it to you. Maybe I'll ask Mr. Tweedy if he still oh, has yeah, it. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Um, but that um, was one of, my, one of my Bruce memories, was researching so long and working so hard on that paper. You know, I just had a history professor on the show. Um, the episode came out just a week or so ago. And he talked about American history. He t- teaches a course in Jersey, Monmouth University, that is American history through the songs of Bruce Springsteen. And um, and you know, exactly as you think, you know, uh, greetings and the wild and the innocent, right, are a lot to do about the Vietnam War. Yeah. And um, yeah. and and so yeah, I could see that. I could see. I bet that would be interesting to read. That's good. Anything else yeah. to share? I think that's it. I, yeah. Okay, so let's get to the Mary question. So um, the Mary question is, Jay Armstrong has been on the show. He is an honors English teacher in the Philadelphia area. And each year he has a seniors honors English class um, break down over two days Thunder Road as a poem. Um, they compare it to Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken. Um, oh. They look at the imagery and the symbolism of the l- lyrics, um, kind of go behind, uh, talk about what are we trying to say, what do you think that the writer is trying to say. And at the end of the two-day class, they, he asks his students a question does Mary get in the car? So Phoenix, that is your question. Does Mary get in the car? Hmm. 
does Mary get in the car? You know, I like to be optimistic. I think she does. I think that he he is whisking her out into the stormy night and he is a goofball and doesn't he's not he doesn't have the right words to say and he's not very charming and I think that she gets in the car with him anyway and rolls her eyes and they drive off into the into the into the darkness. That's what I like to think. I like that. I like it a lot. Um, this is great. Great. Any final thoughts you want to share with me and my listeners? No, I think thank you for uh, having me on. I'm glad to be part of it. Oh, I'm so thrilled. I'm so happy you joined me. Um, it, it, this is, I, I love talking to Springsteen fans and I'm so happy that, um, your friend who does a podcast sent you my way and said, Hey, this guy's looking for Springsteen fans. And so I'm really glad you did that. Um, are you on social media? And are, if you are, do you want to share how people can reach you? Sure. Yeah, I, I'm not super on social media. I mean, I have a Facebook account. Add me if you want. Phoenix, I'm the only Phoenix Crockett. Okay. Um, but I do do a lot of social media through um, the podcast I run with my buddy. We are okay. the Stephen King Boo Club. That's B-O-O exclamation point. We get a lot into we're, – we're fanboys of Stephen King the way that, you know, you're a fanboy of, um, of Bruce Springsteen. And if that kind of Americana and stuff interests you, you can head on over to our Twitter, our Facebook or our um, website and check that out. Yeah, uh, send that to me, and I'll include it in the show notes. Uh, how long have you Perfect. guys been doing the King podcast? We are in our we are halfway through our second year. Um, we've been doing the the books chronologically, the bestsellers chronologically every two weeks. So nice. We're now up into the late nineties with Desperation. It's been a whole lot of fun. It's a variety show style. Things so we do songs and skits and literary analysis and guests and stuff. Wow, that sounds a lot of fun. What did you think of HBO's The Outsider? I liked it a lot. I I'm not I'm, I'm usually a stickler for something that's close to the source material, but sure. I thought they did a good job with it. I thought the end was kind of stupid, um, mm-hmm. or not the end, but the most recent. I guess they want us to say uh, was kind yeah. of stupid. But what did you think of it? I liked it. I had not read the book um, it, just just because I had not gotten to it yet. Um, you know, I um, it, it's funny. I just talked to um, Ron Martz, who is a comic book writer, and he was on the show, and we just had him on again. That episode will come out in a week or so. But um, to repair re, to repeat his story. Um, in college, he had a girlfriend who were a huge fan of Bruce Springsteen and Stephen King, and he was not fans of either one necessarily. And then when they broke up, partly he admits to try to get her back. He started listening to Bruce and uh, became a fanatic. And he <laughs> and he now credits Bruce Springsteen and Stephen King as his two biggest influences in his writing. Because they're both huh. master storytellers. That's awesome. 
I I like that. I like that connection. I I think it's no, it's uh, no surprise that a lot of people who like one like the other. And I just sent you that website. So thank you for including okay. that in your show notes and helping with a little cross promotion. I'll we'll be doing yeah. the same with yeah. this show and. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it appears Stephen is a big fan of Bruce, and oh, yeah. uh, and so um, you know, and you know, one of the things that you know Stephen loves rock and roll. Period. Music. You know, he's oh, yeah. played in a band, and he features a lot of pop culture references in his book. Um, put you on the spot. Do you have a favorite Stephen King book? That's hard. That's yes, hard. it is. Um, That's like asking. Having read all of them recently, like they're yeah. all so fresh. Yeah. Um, but I think The Stand is my favorite book, period. Um, so I think it would have to be The Stand. But recently I read Desperation, which I had not read um, in the mm-hmm. past. And I have to say, if you haven't gone back and done Desperation, that is a close second. Oh, I will have to check that out. Um, I... I know that when I first read The Stand, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And then I read it a second time after recently becoming a parent. And <laughs> and and then reading about the people dying, uh, you know, especially children dying, kind of affected me. Um, though I do, it, it, I agree, it is one of his best books ever. Um What's ironic is The Dead Zone, I think, would be my favorite book of his. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, and, and it's, it, it is um, eerily topical with today's uh, yeah. uh, political environment. Not that I want anyone to do anything, you know, like Johnny was doing, but um, that novel just, it, it was... It was the first Stephen King novel I ever read. Um, I just told the story to Ron. I I do not like horror. I'm not a horror fan. And my friend David Fair, God rest his soul, who's left us, said, look, you got to read this book. I don't like horror. Look, just trust me, read this book. And I read The Dead Zone very quickly and was, oh, my goodness, this guy is amazing. What a great story. And then started reading on and on and on. So... That's cool. I will have to check out the podcast because uh, that sounds fun. That sounds a lot of fun. Awesome. And if you yeah. enjoy it, feel free to come on, talk about your experiences, talk about Dead Zone. It's great chatting with you, and I hope that you're uh, staying safe and uh, staying home during this crazy time. I am, and I say the same for you and your lovely bride. I hope everything's okay. Tell her we appreciate all that she's doing as a nurse and helping us to get through this. Um, hang tight while I do a little business. If you want to be on the podcast and share your uh, Bruce Springsteen story, it's easy to do. All you got to do, email me, setlessingbruce at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is on Twitter at setlessingbruce. You can go to our website, setlessingbruce.com. From there, you can find links to other podcasts, um, our store, where you can buy Does Mary Get in the Car t-shirt, um, and our patron page. If you are so inclined to kick a couple of bucks a month to help support the podcast, it would be greatly appreciated. All right, Phoenix, this was a blast. Thank you so much for taking time to visit with me. We're going to end with You Sit and Wonder 
Just who's going to stop the rain? Who'll ease the sadness? Who's going to quit the pain? It's a long, dark highway in a thin white line connecting, baby, your heart to mine. We're running now, but darling, we will stand in time to face the ties that bind, the ties that bind. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Phoenix. Be safe, and we will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Set Listening Bruce. Set Listening Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listening Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.